Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jackson couldn't find the uh, the intro music, and there was a little panic on the other side of this uh, council. Sheer panic on my face because our intro music is like it gets the people in the right mindset. Uh, It gets the people going. Ball so hard. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Timothy Michael McKernan Action Jackson with you here on the program. And we welcome you to participate in said program by texting at any time you would like. Become a friend of the feather. 314-399-9646. And uh, any topic is welcome, especially when we have... The Little Piddles Monday Weekend Wrap-Up! Now, I was thinking, Jackson, Yes, as I saw the Cardinals lose yesterday, that if memory serves, you said on Friday, when I, with the new information from the John Mazalock interview, said that even if the Cardinals were to get swept by the Reds, I didn't think Ali Marmol would get terminated. And you kind of surprised me. Out of character. Mm-hmm said something along the lines that made me think, did he say that if they lost two of three that he thought Ali Marmol would get fired? So I would allow you to expound on that because, of course, the Cardinals did lose two of three to the Cincinnati Reds. So I believe what I said was if they were to get swept by the Reds, for sure, I do not think he is managing the team any longer come Monday. Now, I also said that if they win on Friday, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then let's say... Either Saturday or Sunday, they have a game where it's pretty obvious they should win and the Reds mm-hmm. come from behind and win, and then another game where they just end up getting slaughtered, uh, that he would also be fired. I don't think the comeback was ever really, like, I don't think that was one. And even on Saturday, where the score was, the margin was wide, I don't necessarily say that it got slaughtered. So I don't think criteria was met, but it was close. Okay. It was close. That's what I was wondering about. Yeah. So if I like, if people are like, "Oh, well, you're wrong," I, I'll wear it. I don't care. That's fine. Um, no, but I do remember you giving some semblance of criteria for it. Right. Yeah. It wasn't just if they lose two of three, and the two of three come Saturday, Sunday, they'll get fired. There was some other uh, pretense to it. But having said that, uh, the criteria was not met in my mind. Okay. All right. And 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 I. We'll side with you because I recall you giving criteria. It's kind of like when I said if the Cardinals lose two or three to the Tigers, but one of them has to be on right, Sunday. Right, right, It's it, it might sound particular, but there's a there's a reason for that. I don't know what to make of it at this point. I really don't. I keep I don't know how many times I've said it this year. It's just it's off the rails. Even Adam Wainwright sounds despondent i think yeah, is the word that right. i would use yeah. um so uh, we will certainly talk about that in the little piddles weekend wrap up but here on 101 espn today it is a we went blues day tom stillman uh just in studio with randy Carricker, carrie davis brooke grimsley and matt rocchio uh jackson i didn't know you in june of 2019 but uh i don't think we've ever discussed this 
where were you, what were you doing four years ago tonight when the Blues took on the Boston Bruins for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final? Oh, let me take it back, Tim. Uh, Columbia, Missouri. Oh, how do you do? Willie's. Cajun chicken sandwich and cottage fries. Chicken wings as an appetizer. How do you do? How do you do? So I would have. I was in Columbia, Missouri. I was. I spent every summer that I was at the University of Missouri. I spent in Columbia every summer. I actually thought the summers were like as good, if not better, than the school year. Just a lot more chill. Uh, people still going out. It was great. I was working two jobs. I worked at the movie theater, and I also worked at a country club where I would ten bar. Really? You yeah. were the barkeep at the country club? <laughs> yep, yep, 21 years old. What country club? Columbia Country Club. I was at Columbia Country Club that evening, uh, so we had this big TV, so I watched the first two periods while working. It was a light day that day. And I uh, watched the first two periods while working, then drove back to my apartment as fast as humanly possible and got to watch Petrangelo lift the cup and the excitement that came along with it. And then, Were you, you know, with some compadres? You have friends, private citizen Pete. No. Gareth. Sweet, sweet Kai, for sure. That's, sweet, sweet Kai was with you? Yeah, he was my roommate that summer. Okay. And, what about uh, uh, oatmeal? No, no. What he, herb? No, I think they were both in the state of Washington at that time. Um, but... We were, uh, yeah, when we went out and had a great, great time. What yeah. was the scene like in Columbia, Missouri that night? I imagine people in Kansas City were irrationally upset about the fact that St. Louis won a Stanley Cup. No, you know, you would think that, uh, but it just seemed like everybody had cup fever, Tim. Is that and, right? Uh, yeah, it was like a really cool night. Everyone was going nuts, and a lot of beverages were had that night, and it was a really, really, really fun time. Uh, so did the cocktail lounges stay open later? No, that's a, that's a rule, like a Columbia rule that all bars have to close at 1 a.m. So they can't run after bars. Where'd you go? Probably back to the apartment. Just keep on drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You just, did you make a special friend that evening? A Stanley cup friend? No, there was no Stanley cup friends to be had that evening, but, uh, it was great. And, uh, woke up bright and early the next morning and listened to you boys. Did you really? Oh, Absolutely. I recall, like literally at this exact moment, recording a podcast and, you know, with TMA being done at 10 a.m., went right into the podcast studio. And it would be strange to go back and listen to it. But I remember sitting there thinking that we are staring into the abyss of 50 plus years of dreaming those dreams being dashed in heartbreaking fashion and all that it has taken to just get back to the Stanley Cup final, being one win away with a home game on that Sunday night, coming up short in what was a rather lackluster, rather lackluster uh, performance on that Sunday night, had a couple days off and then it was Wednesday, if memory serves, in Boston for Game 7. And just thinking, this is this is it. Because it's not like, as a Blues fan, you know, it's not like, you, okay, well then you'll get back next year and try. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. And for many people, I would imagine, I'm curious, I'm sure there's some in our audience who are a little older going, if they don't win tonight, I may never see it. And right. there might be people who are younger, of course, since it had never happened, going, I may never see it anyway. Or I have a parent who is older, a grandparent who is older, and all I want is for them to see it. And I recall thinking, 
you could not overstate the significance of the game relative to the world of sports. It was everything. And and I stand by that four years later. It was everything. Everything. And you're going to Boston, and the first eight minutes of what the Boston Bruins unleashed on Jordan Bennington and the Blues... And the fact that they were able to withstand it had to be one of the most deflating experiences for those individuals who make up that team in their hockey careers. Yeah, I would imagine that if you talk to those guys who made up the roster of the 2019 Bruins, many of whom are probably still experiencing the hangover of losing the first round this year to the Panthers, that that is one that they feel like if they could have just broken through with one. And the fact that the Blues were able to score the first goal, that was one thing. And you felt like, oh my God, I can't believe it's one nothing Blues. But then it was the goal right after Marchand's yep. change that that was the moment where I think that they went into the locker room for the first intermission, as in the Bruins, and thought, oh my God. What do we do? How do we pick ourselves up the floor from being down 2 nothing in a period that if you're watching that thing and you don't know what the result is of the shots, but you just see the shots and the chances that they had, it could have been 3 nothing Boston. And instead, it's 2 nothing Blues. Absolutely something that I will never forget as long as I live was that first period and the fact that the Blues actually escaped it, not just not allowing a goal, but with a 2 nothing lead. The moment they won the cup, um, we were hooks. I just wanted to watch it. And I wanted to watch it with my wife and not have any distractions. And the moment they won the cup, I just remember staring and just going, I cannot believe I'm watching someone with a blue note sweater yeah. hoisting the Stanley Cup. And I thought, and I, and I, and I still think about this, and he's passed, and, and perhaps it makes it even more significant. But throughout that entire run, the person I was thinking of was Bobby Plager. Yeah. Throughout the entire run, I was thinking of Bobby Plager. Um, I felt like Bobby Plager's personality, his storytelling, and how he was with the franchise from the very beginning, and Jeremy Rutherford's story in The Athletic of how he couldn't watch games, and so he walked around the building, and if the Blues scored, he would try to return to that spot where they scored when he was walking around the building, or if the other team scored, he would avoid that spot. All of these superstitions that I'm sure many fans share, that's what I was thinking of in that moment. And one of the reasons, and I don't know how many, if anybody's even talked about this, uh, I would imagine they have. I I feel like I've talked about this on, on the radio at some point. There was a rumbling that if the Blues won the Stanley Cup, you know, there's the tradition of the captain handing it to the longest tenured player. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, who hadn't won the cup first. Right. And I don't know how serious this was or not. The two former blues were the ones where I got it from. This isn't like me going, hey, this would be cool. And then I tweeted it out. <laughs> this was from two former blues. And I think it was the week leading into game six in St. Louis that if they won the cup, they were going to hand it to Bobby Plager. Wow. And. So I was very conscious of that 
going into game six, uh-huh. keeping an eye on that. Now, of course, it did not materialize both with the loss in game six and then with Jay Bomeister getting it. And I wonder if they thought about it and go, well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a player thing. Bobby, you'll still get a chance to hoist it. But either way, uh, that's who I was thinking of throughout that whole run. They had the Kelly Chase video and the Bobby Plager. Uh, hey, buddy, you know, we're here. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was two and a half months. I don't know if anything in sports can replicate that. Honestly, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I said that in 2011 about the Cardinals, and I know it doesn't compare in 2012, but then late, uh, less than a year later, after game six of the 2011 World Series, you had uh, the comeback against the Washington Nationals in the NLDS, and you go, oh my God, we've gotten two of these. Most fan bases never experienced one. Right, yeah. I just don't know if anything can replace the first time for a city that had this has this relationship with a franchise, the generations that it meant something to, to see it, for it to be a Game 7, for it to be in Boston, how it kind of came full circle with Bobby Orr and that group, for Bobby Plager to be around, for all of those people who it meant so much to, and for it to go down the way that it went down, uh, every series going a minimum of six games, two of the series going seven games. You have the Pat Maroon story against Dallas. It was just everything. And I just don't know how it can get better. I, I'm certainly welcome to it because it would be wonderful if it somehow could happen. But in my fantasy of something that deep down I just don't know if I'm ever going to see it, Missouri winning a national championship in college football, uh, I just I don't I loved 2007 and 2013, but I just don't know if it it, it, it every other night the intensity of Stanley right. Cup playoff hockey, and you're talking about what 26 games, for two months. Oh boy! And for what it meant just to get to the Western Conference Final, it's not like that's been commonplace. That was only the fourth time since '86 it had happened. So, it's it's it will always be one of the best experiences a sports fan that I that I'll have and I I really don't know what could could top it candidly. Yeah, I mean you you try like putting yourself back in the place of right before game 7 against the Bruins and that pit in your stomach because they had been su- through so much to that point, you know, whether it be Pat Maroon's goal against the Stars, everything going on with the Sharks and the hand pass thing, even the Jet series to start it off. Like it's like it took us so long and so much to get to this point. If they can't convert tonight, it's like total despondence. You're like, when is it ever going to happen again? You know, we're cursed. And it's just like for them to achieve and the way that first period happened, especially, was like, man, maybe this can happen. And when it finally did, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you can ever replicate that again here locally. Uh, Tim, how exciting was it to see current Edmonton Oiler Alex Petrangelo hoist the cup? That's from the 636. Yeah, yeah. Petrangelo's journey especially you know, from raising the cup in St. Louis to then going to VGK and now with Edmonton being ousted by... back with Vegas? Yeah, late, late game. Late oh, it was like game trade. Well, yeah, like right right before VGK beat Edmonton in the series. They're like, they traded right, him Yeah, put on, put on a different sweater. What a, what a gesture. It's, it's really Boy, nice. That's Lady Bing worthy. Yeah, I mean, I shout out to VGK in their front office. Uh, let's see. Don't forget the Bruins had Patrick Waugh in that. So it was a so big important. win for the Blues. And right. To get past the Hall of Famer like that. Just an, a legend like Patrick Waugh. <sighs> Shout out to the Blues. 
<laughs> Shout out to the Blues. Clip that off. 101 ESPN. We went Blues. Four years later, Jackson Burkett's memories. Yeah. Yeah. To beat a goaltender like Patrick Waugh. Shout out to the Blues. Yeah. 101 ESPN. Take that, Jamie. <laughs> Boy, you're going after him. You're like, you want him to show up. I'm, ready. I'm stretched out. I'm ready to rock. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Air Comfort Service, text line 314 399 9646. We'll have the Little Piddles weekend wrap up. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan and St. Louis Acura and Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the program. Feel free to leave a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app or text in Air Comfort Service text line. Jackson, it is Monday, and that means it's time for the weekend wrap-up presented by the Little Piddles Nuco. Yep. Yeah, Nuco. Well, we, uh, we have a new CEO. Yasir al Ramayan. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Happy about uh, that, it. That well, Piff is buying everything up. Well, I'm growing the game. Bet you are. I'm growing the game. Knowing pitching was going to be an issue before the season started. Yes, yes. Writing it off as an albatross is less painful than as what has gone on offensively on for the Cardinals. I hate to do this. I hate to do it within what I think is the first sentence of today's Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. Could you please repeat what you have in your teleprompter? Absolutely, Tim. Knowing pitching was going to be an issue before the season started, writing it off is less painful than what has gone on offensively for the Cardinals in 2023. I'm going to need Mike Ryder to call up the audio because I, I think I think someone, passive-aggressive, someone may have altered what they said originally when asked to reread it. All right, I'll read the original text as I wrote it. <laughs> Knowing pitching was going to be an issue before the season started, writing it off as an albatross is less painful than as one has gone on. So this is a two on a par five. This is just a complete inaccurate use. An albatross? I thought like an albatross, you saying like something's an albatross is like, oh, it's 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 gone. It's useless. Brett Cecil's contract. I'm playing $25,000 pyramid with Dick Clark. Brett Cecil's contract. Mike Leake's contract. Tino Martinez's contract. Albatry. Yes. Bingo. So I think we're on the same page here. <laughs> Looking ahead. <laughs> this current roster's inability to hit with runners in scoring position and string together hits give you pause when thinking about the future of the franchise. Basically, with pitching being far from the only issue, do you think other areas of the team will have to be addressed either at the trade deadline or in the offseason? Yes. I've been Oliver Offense. You've been Peter <laughs> Puck. I've been Oliver Offense. I've, I've, I, I don't, I don't know for as long as I live if we will see two better free agent classes for shortstop than we've seen in the 2021 and the 2022 off seasons. Would agree. And you know, I understand Mason Win. I, I, I do. I just it goes back to something that I said throughout the off season. I'm confused by this off season. The offense was not wonderful last year. If you just dig into like surface level statistics, you go, well, runs scored, but look where the runs were scored. Uh, those can be deceiving numbers. For example, the Cardinals have the third worst record in the National League at this moment. Their run differential is minus one, minus one, one period. 
the Red Hot Oakland A's, friend of Balloon Party, yep. won five straight. Thank God I did not employ <laughs> the bet strategy. Uh, sweeping the Brewers, the Red Hot Oakland A's have a minus 194 run differential. My point is the statistics can be deceiving. And the Cardinal offense has had some issues, which seems surprising based on who you see in the lineup. One of the things that's that's an issue that is not just a this year issue is, and we'll continue to talk about it because it, it is a real thing, is Wilson Contreras, the man's hitting 204, and Ali Marmol continues to hit him fifth, and that's, yeah, that's Nolan crazy. Arnato's protection. I mean, this is, you know, I understand. I saw BK's tweet about how hard he's hitting the ball, and I think only three other players in baseball have hit it harder mm-hmm. than Wilson Contreras, and maybe that means that there will be a correction statistically on that, hopefully. Uh, but it, it is. This is not. This is not something that was going on when Wilson Contreras was here. This was going on the last few years. Even though you have two potential Hall of Famers in the corner uh, infield spots, and you thought you might have a solid outfield, you don't. Tommy Edmonds now your center fielder, and he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, it looks might great. I add. He looks yeah. great. He makes incredible defensive plays, but. It's not just it's not just a starting pitching thing. It's not just a bullpen thing. It's not just a defense thing. It's not just a fundamental thing. It's also an offensive issue, and that is why you know for Adam Wainwright to be at a loss for words, that is really difficult to do for a guy who I like. I said anytime I talk about him, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Not just as a competitor, but as a player, as a guest on a radio show, a podcast. He's outstanding. But he's at a loss. He, something along the lines of, we just find the ways to lose games. And he's used to the Cardinals finding ways to win. That's where they are right now. Do I? Does that give me great concern for the future of the franchise? That part, no. I do think the Wilson Contreras contract is something to keep an eye on. Because that is a real potential problem. If, for whatever reason, his offense, this is representative of what he is going to be. That would surprise me. I mean, because this is really bad. Um, but then also the fact that he's under contract for three and a half more years and you're getting this from him. And then if you're not comfortable with him being a catcher on a regular basis, then what are you doing outside of paying him a hell of a lot of money? That is a problem running parallel to whatever the Cardinals television situation is. And that only matters from a baseball standpoint, because if that really reduces their revenue, then that can reduce their comfort level with spending to fix the problems. And at this point, there are many problems. Yeah, indeed. My kind of my thought process behind asking the question is, you know, if you go to the deadline and you originally thinking like, well, we might move somebody to get a new starter and maybe that can reinvigorate things, but it's clearly not just pitching. And it's so everywhere. That's the thing. They're, 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 and I think John Mazalek said that in, in the interview with Katie Wu, if I'm not mistaken, I could be off the mark, but uh, that uh, they're not one move or a June move away. Right, exactly. And this is, the, I mean, if, this, if they were, in, I mean, I realize it's both the centrals are so dreadful, but... You know, if they were in any other division, it would be much more. Yeah, your your thought process would be different. By the way, they're plus six hundred to win the central now. For the record, I wouldn't touch it. I it's I just haven't seen any indication. Not at all. Even in that good stretch, you know, it wasn't. You know, it, it was so short lasting, and they regressed right back to where they were. Against some good baseball teams, 
I, I, I thought that they had turned the corner there. I yeah. really did. They regressed so quickly. That's the is it like it's it went stunningly yeah. against bad teams. Right. It went from like okay things might turn around to like it's as 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 bad if not worse than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah. It's like I, then at that point you can't trust them, and then your mindset might change come the deadline. Do you expect at any point this week any major shakeups to either the coaching staff or roster in the wake of this rough stretch of baseball? Sure. I mean, I, if they continue to lose, I still think it's possible. Yeah. I don't know if Ali Marmol is ever going to be let go. I'm not saying that, by the way, that he should be. It would just simply be the, the Hail Mary to try to save the season, even if it's his fault, it's not his fault, whatever the case might be, to go, okay, we've got too much committed here for this to be where it is, and it's not like he has the gravitas to go, well, we got to keep him. But that would be John Mazalak acknowledging that he's had some problems, not only with finding, you know, bats in the outfield uh, and bullpen arms and didn't tend to pitching, but also issues with finding managers as well, since you'd now have Matheny, Schilt, Marmol, and then whoever the fourth one would be since 2018. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with more of the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up here on Balloon Party, driven by Monk and Ask St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world and the beauty of it is that i bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe download and subscribe to uap on any of the major podcasting platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com we're right back to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Welcome back, Balloon Party, driven by Monk and Ask St. Louis Acura and all Toyota on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. It is Monday, and that means it's the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. Question three, what? Indeed, indeed it is, Tim. Nice, such energy. Indeed, indeed. Do you think it's odd that Nolan Gorman wasn't in Saturday's starting lineup? I know he struck out three times the night prior, and the lefty was on the bump for the Reds. But when you have arguably your best hitter so far this year sitting on the bench while you're in last place, do you think that is wise? What's going on with Nolan Gorman against lefties? Well, I mean, that's just the manager, and it's something that I personally disagree with. I think a lot of Cardinal fans feel that way. Uh, I would like him to get the opportunity to have the experience against the left-handers. Otherwise, we continue to say, well, he doesn't have much experience against left-handers. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Get him in the lineup, Jackson. It's, it's Yeah, to me, it's just so I mean... I get the whole thing. Like sometimes it's better just to you know watch, or you might have get better experience from that. But you're right. Like if you're going to continue to say, well, you know, his lefty experience is lacking, you're not going to get any less experience. I, I I don't understand it. I think you have him in there every game, batting third or fourth, and that's it. And probably move Jordan Walker up a little bit. Uh, how Alec Burleson would get the free ticket to the middle of the order. <laughs> And Jordan Walker has been buried at seven or eight all year is also beyond me as far as my mysteries of the 2023 Cardinal yeah, season. It's so strange. I mean, yeah, he's, he's hitting the ball in the air now. Are we gonna, you know, send him, that's what the Plowhawk was making reference to. I earlier. believe that Alec Burleson is on John Mazelik's fantasy team. That's, that's what the conclusion I have. Right. Got to get him more bats, more volume, better chance for runs, RBIs, home runs. And uh, we'll just get him in the middle of the order, and that's how we're going to do it. That's what I. That's and you got to respect it. I mean, as a, as an owner of a, a fantasy f- baseball team yourself. Yeah, just the, the story Southside team and the New York Yankees of fantasy sports in South St. Louis. I agree with you. 
Um, that's the, that's my only explanation for it. Yeah, you just took my measure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. The dogs. Woof, woof, Tim. The atmosphere is still great, even on a rainy Sunday in St. Louis. Super cool to see. Another MLS topic. How significant do you think it will be for American soccer and the MLS to have Messi join Inter-Miami? We have seen other Eurostars come over here like David Beckham and Zlatan, but Messi is arguably the best player to ever lace up a boot. Do you think this will help launch the already growing MLS to new heights and improve the game from a league standpoint and also, you know, by proxy, a St. Louis standpoint? Well, I wish that it was happening a week earlier. I know, me too. That is such a bad beat for those who are not aware. We'll miss him by a week. Yeah. That is such a bad... Can you imagine? I mean, that building on a rainy Sunday afternoon against a last-place team was absolutely bad crap. Can you imagine if Messi were coming here and it was his debut? Yeah, his American debut. It would get global attention. It would get global attention. It is such a bad beat. Um, So, with that said... uh, Neymar, I see this on the front page of ESPN.com. Yep. As we are sitting here and talking, it said Messi's move to enter Miami will be a game changer for Major League Soccer. Uh, last week, he announced a decision to join Inter Miami. Um, and so uh, Neymar said, quote, I'm certain that Leo is going to change the league in the United States. I believe the league will become a, more, a lot more popular, so everyone has to take advantage and enjoy him play, uh, watching him play, because unfortunately, nothing last forever i've seen the increase in instagram followers mm-hmm. has now superseded the yankees <laughs> they crazy. went i mean it's an mls franchise right. all due respect but i mean you know i think even the hardest of hardcore doggies fan can acknowledge the pecking order right oh yeah and it's just shot up ever since that announcement so it's a wonderful thing it's a great thing yeah and i'm telling you man what's going on here with this team and the enthusiasm for it, it goes beyond soccer fans. It goes beyond the, you know, people in the supporter sections and, you know, the people who are waving flags and doing chants. It is, it's a very difficult ticket to get. Uh, it doesn't matter if the weather is somehow cold and, you know, rainy on a Saturday or Sunday in, in July. People are showing up. People want to be at that game. It is a different kind of atmosphere. I don't know if it is younger demographic-wise, because I don't have that data, but it certainly has a younger feel oh, yeah. to it. And I think, you know, certainly it's a, it's a coincidence, but I suppose from City's standpoint, even though they can't say this, it's a good coincidence that it's all happening in the midst of one of the worst Cardinal seasons we've seen in, in recent history. And people would rather, not everybody, but a lot of people would rather just go and experience that atmosphere then sit at a Cardinal game and watch a last place team. So it is, uh, it's a prime opportunity locally. And I think for this league, what a huge get to have him participating. Yeah. Um, my thing on that is you saw when David Beckham joined the LA Galaxy years ago, the uptick the MLS saw. This is Leo Messi. I mean, globally, one of the biggest icons in the world. And still, you know, I know he's older, but he's still really, really good. This opens up a huge door because there's speculation that he might be getting a percentage of new users on Apple TV's MLS season pass. That's huge equity because, unfortunately, American teams can't offer the same amount that teams in Europe can, especially teams in Saudi Arabia, like another offer he had. But if he can come 
you know, if he's coming to the MLS and getting good money to do so, you might see more and more players. And that's what American soccer needs is big time players coming to play in the United States. You combine that with 2026 World Cup being played in North America, this could be a really big time for American soccer. And for St. Louis, who just got a franchise and we've seen the interest in it go way over our expectations, even though our expectations were high to begin with, it's really awesome. So if you're a soccer fan in St. Louis, now's the time to rejoice. Yeah, it's, a, it's incredibly exciting news. Absolutely. Both South Florida teams are up against the wall, both being down 3-1 in their respective championship series. In your estimation, which team is more likely to make a comeback and hashtag shock the world, the Panthers or the Miami Heat? I would say the Panthers, if I had to bet, I would say neither. Right. Uh, I realize that's not particularly uh, cutting edge, considering both are in the spot that they're in. Had Matthew Kachuk been healthy, I would feel like throwing a little something on it, not mm-hmm. necessarily confidently, but something he's just not right. Uh, even with that, his you know his hockey sense had him right there, positioned to score the game-tying goal uh, in Game 4. But he's just not right. It sucks. It sucks. He's a St. Louisan, and people around here, of course, have been pulling for uh, his father and pulling for him for years, and now he gets an opportunity in the Stanley Cup Final, and something's off, and it sucks because he's hurt. Uh, so with that said, I would have to go with neither. I realize that's not the question. You give me one or the other, I would say I'll take the Panthers. But candidly, I just don't see either one coming back. Yeah, I definitely don't see it. I think the Heat may – I've said that the Heat would win one game. They've already won that one game. They might win tonight, Tim. Uh, there's some interest there on the money line. Oh, uh, wow. Plus this 285. Guy, Jackson making a play. There's interest. I haven't fully dove into it. You know, Tim, I've made four bets. There have been four games. I've made four bets and won all four, so I'm kind of hot at the moment. I don't want to push it. Um so I, I'm going to tell people to avoid Nuggets minus nine tonight. And if you're going to throw anything, maybe throw some on Heat money line because Jimmy Butler against the wall. Wow. It might just Jackson work making out. making a play But here. neither. Getting neither. the people healthy. Yeah, but neither team, neither the Panthers nor the, the Heat, I don't think will hashtag shock the world. Uh, the Heat are up against it against a really good team who's playing their best basketball. They've played as a unit so far in their uh, their unit's entire tenure so this is a bad time to be playing the denver nuggets uh and vgk without petrangelo you know now no with petrangelo back from edmonton it's you know that's a whole different ball game uh jackson uh give me an idea of what we have in the final portion of the program and our little piddles weekend wrap-up well tim unfortunately that was the last one i had for the little piddles weekend wrap-up um that's all i had I wrote five questions. It's usually six. You're absolutely right, and that's on me, and I'm going to wear this one. Um, (laughs) But uh, that allows for deep dives. That allows for Stanley Cup memories. Absolutely. And uh, I couldn't be sorrier. This one's on me. I'm going to wear this. Happens to the best of them. All right, we'll take a commercial break, uh, come back with uh, deep dives and Stanley Cup memories on the final segment of Balloon Party, driven by Mugganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Big week here uh, as we have the Cardinals and Giants, and we will have our TMA day at the ballpark on Wednesday. $30 tickets at TMASTL.com, and those are field box seats, and that includes uh, $12 of Cardinals cash. So if you're interested in field box seats for the Businessman Special at 12:15 on Wednesday, you can get your tickets at TMASTL.com. Dot com and they're only $30, and that includes $12 of Cardinals cash. TMA, STL.com for our uh, TMA day at the ballpark on Wednesday. That means Jackson and I will not be doing balloon party on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And you say, well, how does Wednesday impact Thursday or Friday? And that's because you have another golf tournament. Yeah, you know, it's... When you're playing as well as I'm playing right Jackson now. Jackson shot a tidy little 78 from the blue tees at, uh, at Gateway on Friday. A lot yeah. of people are buzzing about it. Fun to see people talking about your game. Listen, Tim. When it rains, you get wet, and you strike when the iron's hot. Those are two principles I live by. When it rains, you get wet, and you strike when the iron's hot. Got it. I, okay. And those are two principles I live on. So when you're playing as, as well as I am right now, you got to seize the moment. Carpe wow. diem. And yeah. you then went to Far Oaks and put your game on display, and yeah, shot a tidy little eighty. This is this is a guy who's in form right now. But, but that was from the white tees. That honestly, I, that should be stricken from the record. If it's from the white tees, I, I had wedge in almost every time. This guy's a bomber now. Now he kind of talked a little bit about his distance without talking a little bit about his distance. There is nothing in my golf game that I would ever brag about except me with a fifty-six degree wedge in my hand. Wow. I'm currently lethal with it. My goodness, this guy. I'm currently lethal with it. Wow. Let's get you to LACC for the week. Oh, that brings up a great topic here, oh, Tim. Oh, well, we have. So, of course, the U.S. Open this week, going to the West Coast, Los Angeles. Very difficult golf course, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. The classic video of showing us what the ball looks like in the rough, yet somehow when we're watching the tournament, it never looks like the guys are buried like that. Uh, but, yeah, 290-yard par three to begin your or the second hole of the back Would nine Would that be five iron for you? Oh, stock five. Well, yeah, I'd actually, I'd probably go with a soft four just to be safe. Nice. You know, pins in the back probably, uh, but that's just distance that most of you can't ever dream about. And you know, wow, so. talking down to the audience, very disappointing. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm letting loose. This is the this is my time, and I'm letting loose. This is the piddle show. Uh, but obviously, the U.S. Open is coming up this week, and there is a with golf being in the news seemingly every day now and for the right reason for the right reason it's the only thing it's the biggest story in sports at the moment is what's going on with the PGA Tour and the PIF do you think that's going to hold a big black cloud over what's going on this week at the US Open is there a a, a topic or a storyline that could e- ever overshadow what we're going to see this week I assume all the questions are going to be about what the new PGA Tour is going to look like do you have that same feeling and do you think that it might uh, uh, impede the enjoyment of the US Open I would say the following NBC has already said they're not going to talk about it (laughs) so I would imagine that will be uh, play a role subconsciously in the eyes and ears of the viewers that uh, the golf will be the focus. I would imagine you will have a lot of conversation tomorrow and Wednesday about it, but they're going to focus on the golf on Thursday in Los Angeles through Sunday. Yeah, and that makes sense. I don't I don't also anticipate like feel like there was always like this like thing like what's the driving range going to look like when you know these all these guys get together but I just have a feeling that it's not like there's animosity between players it's animosity towards 
you know, organizations and, and commissioners, not necessarily like, oh, I'm mad at Phil because he left or I'm mad at this person because they left. And I feel like, that, I don't know, I more of a reunion feel than it would be, but the media might paint it as another way. And, you know, that's another honesty in media, another <laughs> look right into the looking glass there, Tim. Yeah, it uh, it's uh, it's a tournament that uh, is expected to have high scores, and uh, certainly there can be distraction. But I think NBC is going to uh, try to temper that by not allowing it to really be discussed on the broadcast. Uh, that is what I read from uh, Andrew Marchand in the New York Post. So uh, that will get underway on Thursday at LACC, and uh, Jackson will be out. And what uh, what event are you competing in? You on the Corn Ferry this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, Corn Ferry. I'm actually opposite field event, U.S. Open. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't qualify this year. Yeah, I was uh, surprised by that. I there was that you've 13, been playing well with that 78. Yeah, there was that 13-year-old that took my spot in the qualifier. Hell of a ball striker. Uh, so, yeah, that one kind of stung. You know, I shot a tidy 128 uh, in my qualifying uh, two years ago, so I haven't gotten an invite back. But you didn't WD during that one. Never. Never. No not, such thing. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight until the finish, and you never know if I can get hot. All right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I am Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.